I got a feeling that's a nice. No, <laughs> sorry, I was going to say I think my bat. I got a feeling my battery's dead, but it's not. So there you go. <laughs> um, at the beginning of this week, um, I just had a, a sense that God was uh, leading me towards um, kind of more of a a pastoral message, a message of uh, encouragement, uh, of care, and of comfort. And and I certainly hope that today's message will be that. Um, but I but I kind of just I had that sense, but I couldn't actually put words to it. I couldn't put a, a shape to it. I didn't really know what that meant, other than it was just you know this sense of of the care of God uh, for us as kids. And uh, but as the week went on, I, I had what was for me a very disturbing dream, and uh, and it's kind of shaped what we're going to explore together. Uh, this morning, how many of us know that God speaks to us in dreams and in visions and in words? And He's done that through the through history. All of you know, we read it all throughout the Bible. Um, I don't feel like I get it all that much, but when I do, um, I try to pay attention. And uh, and today I'm going to do that. It's it's a bit of a risk for me, so I'm hoping that I can ask you to join me in that risk. Um, and before I share that, I just want to give you at least a little biblical context for what I'm I'm going to share about this dream. And uh, I'm going to read from uh, Jeremiah chapter 3 and from Ezekiel chapter 23. It says this, it says, During the reign of King Josiah, so Jeremiah was a prophet. He was one that spoke to all God's people and he would, he would receive a word from God and he would share that uh, with others. And so it says that during this reign, God said to him, it says, Have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She's gone up on every high hill and ever every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she didn't. And her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. And I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of her adulteries. And yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went and committed adultery. Because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her, she defiled the land and committed adultery with stone. And would. God's saying to his people, he said, you know, I'm in a relationship with you. And you just gave that up and went under, it says, went up to the high places. These were places of worship. You went up underneath the spreading trees. Again, it was often a place of worship in the times that Jeremiah was writing. And you, and you went up there and you just, uh, you gave yourself in adultery. You gave yourself to these idols. You worshiped wood and stone. And in Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 7, talks again about Israel. And it says, She gave herself as a prostitute to all of the Assyrians and defiled herself with all of the idols and everyone that she lusted after. It's again this, this, it's a disturbing word picture of giving ourselves over uh, to something other than God. So how's that a setup for my dream? Uh, it's kind of scary. It's disturbing. It is. And I don't remember much of the dream leading up to the time just before I awoke, but this is, uh, this is what I remember. And, uh, it's basically a man and a woman, uh, engaging in intercourse. And the woman shouted, worship him! Worship him! And then I woke up. And it's disturbing. And it's kind of funny. Maybe not. I don't know. 
it's weird, right? Because, I mean, some of you have heard me. I've certainly talked about our sexuality because God has given us sexuality as a, as a beautiful thing. And it's part of his good creation. And we, do, we definitely want to talk about it, you know, in church because if it's something that beautiful that God has done, that's, that's what we want. But, but, you know, just as in the world, how, you know, we can give ourselves over uh, in that way, in ways that God didn't intend, so we can do that with our hearts and our spirit. And it's a disturbing word. It's, uh, it certainly is for me. And I hope that you'll trust me in this. Um, you know, and some of you may be visiting us for the very first time and you think, man, like, I did not expect this when I came to church. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, on Tuesday, Wednesday of this week, I did not expect to have this word for us this morning. But I'm going to risk it. And I'm just going to ask us just to, um, just to sit here for a moment and just let it, let that word settle into our hearts and our minds. I'm not out bashing sex. I'm not out bashing people that have um, maybe misused sex in any way. Um, the Bible t- tells us that every one of us has fallen short of God's perfect plan. Every one of us has fallen short of his glory. And, uh, and when we break one command of God, we break them all. So at the foot of the cross, every single one of us here, is actually on the same level. Because ultimately the idol that's being worshipped, the idol that's being worshipped, can you hold that thought? Yeah? Okay. Uh, it could be anything. And um, and I could pull out a long list, and we actually read some of the lists this morning. Um, but we take things in our lives and we, and we prioritize them over and above God. We take things that are just things of this created world and and things that are passions and maybe some of them are really good passions but we twist them and we pursue them in such a way that they get top billing over everything that God, you know, over God. And when God sees that, he's disturbed. And uh and it's not because God wants to come out with a big whip, you know, or a big okay, stick out your hand and you know, take the ruler. God wants to call us back to himself when he gives that kind of word because he knows how it affects us. He knows that when we give ourselves away to another lover other than himself, it affects where we're going. And in this church, you know, we have the opportunity lots of times to talk about going into the promised land. And for those who might be visiting with us, I'll just share briefly what that means. It's, you know, God called the people Israel to himself. And uh, and they strayed, and they ended up being enslaved in a, in a place called Egypt. And God eventually created uh, or miraculously brought them out of that place and started leading them into a new place, a new place where where it says that the land was flowing with milk and honey. It was like like over here is death and slavery and all the things that that are dark. And over here, God's saying, "I'm going to bring you into a place of light and of life." and of abundance, of fruitfulness, everything that is good. God says, I'm going to lead you to that place. And so we talk about going into the promised land, and that's what God was intending. And And he began to lead his people, uh, first by a man named Moses, and then ultimately through, uh, brought them into the promised land with a Moses's kind of understudy, his, his young little buddy that he walked through along with him, discipled him, brought him everywhere that he went. And Joshua is about to lead his people, the people of Israel, into the promised land. 
In Joshua chapter 3, it says this, that Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. A couple of days earlier, he had given them the word, hey, in three days, we're packing up, we're actually going into what God has promised. And then on the day before, he says, consecrate yourselves, because God's just about to do amazing things in your lives. And I think part of the word that God has for us this morning, even if it's a disturbing word, is that he wants us to consecrate ourselves. God wants to do amazing things in our lives. But in order to take us to the next step, whatever that is for us individually, and particularly for us as a church, I believe this word is for, that in order for us to be able to go into that place, we have to consecrate ourselves. Now, what the heck is consecration? When was the last time you used the word consecration at Tim Hortons? <laughs> uh, oh, we didn't. <laughs> you know, it's one of those words that's a, it's a good churchy word. Uh, what does it mean? And uh, this is somebody's uh, interpretation or just understanding of it. He says that consecration is more than behavior modification. It's more than, you know, like, oh, here's the rules. Okay, I just got to keep those. That's a part of it, but that's not all of it. But it's actually to set yourself apart. I used to be here. Now I'm over here. I used to give myself to this. Now I'm going to give myself to that. I used to be in Egypt. I was an Egyptian in one sense. Now I'm, I'm part of the people of God. I'm giving myself to that. That's, and so you, and you ultimately have to, um, instead of me being number one, I have to dethrone me, David, and say, no, God, Jesus is in first place. And I think this fellow that, that wrote this, his name is Mark Batterson, he says, lots of times, you know, we can focus on, do, you know, on not doing wrong, right? Don't do this, don't do that. And again, that's a part of it. But, but he says, you know, he says, you know what, that you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right? I thought that was a profound statement. You know, we could, you know, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that, so it must be okay. But you know what? You can actually not do the right things that actually bless other people. You can just kind of have clean hands. He says, by definition, righteousness, that's another good Christian, it's a biblical word, a, a term we use in church, is something that you do right. But we've reduced it to doing nothing wrong. We fixate on sins of commission, the things that we're not supposed to do. But it's actually the sins of omission, the things that we should have done and could have done and that we didn't do that actually break the heart of God. And he uses the analogy of himself as a father. You know, every parent is like, oh man, you know, that's, that's great that my kid didn't do this and my kid didn't do that. You know, that kind of gives us some pleasure and that's good. But ultimately when we see our children, you know, whether it's our physical children or even spiritually where we walk alongside somebody and they begin to do something different, they begin to do something right. It's like that's when we get really excited, you know, because the things they should have done and could do, they, they're actually doing. And that's what, that's what God wants. And so when he says consecrate yourselves, it's, it is, it is stop doing this, but it's also very much do that. Focus on these things. And that, I think that's what we read, uh, in this scripture that we read this morning in, in Colossians chapter three. And I just want to look at it briefly again with you guys this morning, just, because I think what he does is he kind of has, if we can say, a sandwich. Okay, the, on the top is, is some pos- do these things. 
in the middle, don't do that. On the bottom, do these things. So you got your two slices of bread, do this. And in the middle, don't do that. First thing that he says is he says, set, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Because he died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And I think it's just this, it's very simply a call to look up. Stop looking down at the things of earth, the things that attract our attention. You know, we, how many people have cable? Anybody got cable in their house? I'm not bashing cable per se, but just this week, God's been kind of saying, man, there's a lot of time in front of that stupid tube. Well, he didn't say stupid. He just said, you know, there's a lot of, he's spending a lot of time in front of that thing, you know, but I love watching basketball and I love, you know, there's a lot of things that I like to watch on the tube. But in a sense, it's like you're watching, but God's saying, set your heart and set your mind on things above, not on these earthly things. And like I say, there's so many different things that we can put our attention on, but, but God says, start by doing this. He says, look at me. I think it's in Psalm 21. It says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. It says, where does my help come from? It doesn't come from the TV. As awesome as those renovation, home renovation shows are. Okay. <laughs> Much of those reality shows tell us how to live. Um, you know, our help comes from you, God, the maker of heaven and earth. So, so Paul says, if you're going to consecrate yourself, start by doing this. Just keep your eyes focused on Jesus. I think it's the author to the Hebrews. He says, you know, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He started it. He wants to finish it. But in order for him to finish it, we have to look up. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. First slice of bread. Then in the middle, it says this. It's pretty disturbing, actually. You know, we get used to these words in church. But it says, it says put to death... Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, whether it's sexual immorality or impurity, lust, evil desires or greed, you know, all of these things are what? They're idolatry. So again, back, you know, in the day when we read in the Old Testament, everybody was doing this in front of a piece of wood or a piece of rock. You know, they would just, they'd worship and they would, they would give of their money or they would give all these things, you know, to, to inanimate objects. And, and here again, but, Paul's saying, you know, God says, stop. He says, put it to death. In another place, he says, uh, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must get rid of yourself, rid yourselves of all such things as these anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language and lying. And he comes up with this, this extended list. And so on the one hand, and, and I, I didn't have time because I didn't really know how to give this word <laughs> this morning, but um, I wanted to. If I had a bat and I just had something to destroy, <laughs> I would just go crazy on it. So if you can picture, though, you know, put to death, just take a bat and just smash that thing because that's what they would actually do to the idols. They would smash them. They would burn them. They would crush them. They would do. That's how they would get rid of it. They would be violent in their action against what was not of God. They burn it up. And uh, and Paul, I think that's what Paul is saying here. He says, like, I, 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 to have a knife and just jam it right in here. But, you know, put it to death. And then, you know, and he says, uh, get rid of it. 
And I got my garbage can from my office this morning. It ain't too pretty. There's a few things in there that are kind of stinky. You know, and this is where they need to stay, but there's many things in our lives that that's where they just need to go. It says get rid of it. Put it in the garbage can. Make sure somebody trucks it out to the outside of town. Get rid of that sucker. And it, you know, because if you let it stay, what happens to the garbage in your house when it sits around for a while? It smells pretty ripe, and that's a generous term. <laughs> it starts to get pretty stinky. You know? I think God would say, I'm going to do amazing things in your life. I, I, I promise you, God says, I will do amazing things in your life, but you've got to kill some of these things. You've got to toss them. You've got to consecrate yourself. And then he says this. He says, so as God's chosen people, holy, which means to be set apart, similar to consecrate, set yourself apart. You're holy and you're dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with all of these things. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and, and bear with each other and forgive each other. It's like you've maybe been wearing some some ragged clothes. That, you know, probably some of the guys in this place have some T-shirts in their closet that they've just been wearing forever. And, you know, it's just hard to give that sucker up because you, you love it so much. Bob, I see that. I didn't see that hand, but I saw that chuckle. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> you know, but sometimes those things just got to go. And uh, And so... That's kind of the word picture that, that Paul is using. He says, man, take that thing off. And then put it on. Get some new clothes. So you used to be angry and, and bitter and, you know, you used to pursue all these different things. He says, take that off and, and put this stuff on. I guess I want to, um, I wanted to invite us to, um, to actually do something practical with that for a moment. To, um, to get rid of something. And to take something. And it's not like a wow kind of thing. Uh, but it's very simple. And sometimes, you know, God uses the very simple things of life to communicate great truths. We're going to have communion in a little while. And he takes some very simple things like bread, wine, to communicate huge truths to us. On this morning, and I think there's enough here, I'd like you to come forward. I'd like you to do two things. You can borrow a pen if you need to. Please bring it back. I think it says somewhere in there, don't steal. Uh, you know what? If I lose a few pens, it's okay. I'd like you to take a sheet of paper from here, and I'd like you to write down something that you think God might be saying to you this morning in terms of consecration, of stopping doing something. And then there's another sheet of paper. Some of them have words written on them. Some of them have uh, just blank spots on them uh, that you might want to take and say, this is what I want to clothe myself with. Because I think if we, take, if we have a, an action of intention, see, when God says, he says, consecrate yourselves, I will do amazing things. Sometimes we want to do the amazing things, but God actually, all he asked us to do was consecrate ourselves. He said, you do this, and I'll do that. It's not a formula that's going to turn into magic and that kind of thing, but there's a principle here where God says, if you will do this in your life, basically create space for me. If you will do that, then I will do amazing things for you. And so I'd like to ask you to come forward and to, to grab a sheet of paper, grab a pen if you need one, if you don't have one, 
I'd like you to write down the thing that you'd like to get rid of, and we're just going to put it in the garbage. You can come up a little bit later in the service as we have communion. Just rip that sucker up. If you want to be violent with it, please do. Okay? And then I'd like you to take some of these. I've got, I've got forgiveness here. I've got some love. I've got some peace. I've got thankfulness and forgiveness and wisdom. You might, I don't know what it is that you want. There's some that just have a line on it, and you might desire to put something in there. God, I really want this in my life. Go ahead, be intentional. Say, God, this is what I'm pursuing. This is what I'm getting rid of. So it's your turn. Come forward. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Please come forward. Grab this stuff. Just head back to your seats, and then i got a few more things to share. Here, I'll put the, the things you want to get rid of, grab it from here, just so that there's a little more space. Things that you want to get, come on, get it over here. If you want to write your own, there's lots of blanks there. Sure, yeah, if you want. Yeah, so you can write on these. There's a ton of these black ones. Yeah. What are the thanks? And take what I want, right? That's right. Take one of them that you want. So if you want compassion, take compassion. If you want humility, go for that. You might see a word here that's just for you. Just go ahead. Once you got it, just go back to your seats so that others can grab uh, grab their stuff. Uh, if you want to take two, hey, go for it. God's uh, God's big. He's generous. These are the intentional ones here that you can fill it in. Or if you see one that you like, just grab it. Okay. That's the one to get rid of. Yeah, right up here. They kind of had this little uh, sandwich going on as well. They call it the Holy Spirit's Homeowner's Manual. And this is from our grade two to six class. Uh, I won't read the names. But uh, here's what they were considering about not doing and doing. Uh, so for their mind, body, heart, and for other things, they said, uh, for their mind, don't listen to bad music. Think about good things and watch good movies. Read the Bible and stay away from bad things on the computer. Here's, uh, here's some things you can do for the body. You can eat good food and exercise. Get some sleep, drink lots of water, don't smoke, don't drink a lot of beer, and please wash yourself. <laughs> That's good. Grade two to six. There you go. And for the heart, it's just this call to, to love others, to help others, respect them, to listen to others, and to be humble, and just to be able to pray for each other. But it's, just, it's good, you know, grade two to six. There you go. You know, there's, there's good things that we need to do and there's some things that we need to avoid. And that's what Paul is saying to us this morning. And I've tried not to actually spend a lot of time, uh, you know, pointing out all of the different, different wrong things because I figure that if I start with a list and I name a few things and it's to say, well, that's not me, so I guess there's nothing, you know, God doesn't really want to do anything in my life. Um, but I trust that there's, for each one of us, that he's going to uh, put his finger on something and it's going to be a gentle finger to say, this is something that needs to change. Um, I do want to just uh, spend a, two, a couple minutes uh, just considering uh, a couple of things. One of them is this. It says, put on love, which binds all these things together in perfect unity. And this is a scripture that we often read at, at weddings. 
But we are talking about relationship and we are talking about our relationship with God and we are talking about ourselves as a church being the bride of Christ. And so when, when Jesus talks about love, he says this. He says that love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy others, it doesn't boast, it's not proud. It's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. It's kind of like that bear with each other and forgive each other. It says, love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And it says that, you know, love, love doesn't fail. And then Paul says this, he says, let the peace of Christ uh, rule in your hearts. Some of you have heard of, you know, when we have these autoimmune diseases, when our body begins to attack itself, and it starts to to actually really affect us in a negative way. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace. Um, you know, there, when Paul says, you know, we got to bear with each other and we got to forgive each other because there's going to be times where Elmer, even you, might rub me the wrong way. <laughs> Hard to believe, but true. You know, there's going to be times where we fail one another in significant ways. and And if we can allow... God's peace, which passes all understanding, which passes all, uh, you know, our knowledge of our past, and allow it to uh, to rule in us, then we can have this kind of peace. And then it says, "Be thankful." And I just want to encourage you. I heard somebody say this. I don't know when it was. Um, we just celebrated American Thanksgiving, and uh, and of course our Thanksgiving a little while ago. But they said, "What if you were to have a fast on complaining, and a feast?" On thankfulness, hey, I think it's a wonderful challenge. I think it's a wonderful invitation. Actually, it's not even just a challenge; it's actually an invitation. And if we were to do as one of the things that we do for Advent, to fast from complaining, and to feast on thankfulness, just see what happens in your life, and see what happens in the life. Of you. And then I just want to, I think, close with this. It says this. It says. After it says, be thankful, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Admonish. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. To correct, I think. Yeah, that's right. To warn or correct or reprimand somebody, but, but with a firm hand. It's, it's actually a stern thing. And, you know, we've talked about consecration, about setting our size ourselves aside for God. And and I think that one of the things that the ways that God does that is is actually through the admonishment of others. A stern warning, a re, maybe even a rebuke or you know, a challenge. And and that's not an easy thing. I think, you know, for a lot of us at one time or another in our lives, maybe we've received words from others that are, are negative, and as soon as we hear a negative word we automatically assume that it's you know they're they're out to get us they're out to hurt us and uh, and so it makes it really hard to receive when somebody actually says Dave you need to hear this and it's not a maybe it's a must and I believe that the dream this week was for me just a reminder like Dave what are you going after what are you worshiping now that was an admonishment from the Lord but can we receive that from one another and I think. One thing that will help us to do that really well is to, again, to take this as a sandwich. If we, it says at the beginning, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish. 
And then he says on this on the other side he says, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in your heart to the Lord. And I think God will allow us to admonish one another, to 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 give a stern word at times when it's needed. But please don't do it if you're not letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in your heart to the Lord. Because if you start to speak and you just start whacking people with admonishment, it's the word of the day. Admonishment and consecration, that's what we're walking away with today. <laughs> but if we start doing that stuff without allowing God's word to, to come fully into us and giving praise to him, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the word of admonishment is just is going to do more harm than good. On the flip side, if we actually allow God's word to dwell in us and we actually do give him praise, the words that come out of our mouths, even if they're stern and, and difficult to hear at times, will be received. So I think this morning, you know, I felt like it was a pastoral word that God was calling me to give. And in some ways it's a, I was thinking about it this way, you know, sometimes like, man, that can feel like a real heavy or it can be weighty. And I don't know if you get the difference, but that was one of the things that God was saying to me this morning was like, and this could really come across as heavy as something that's like, oh man, it's like, it's hard to carry. But it's not so much that it's like a downer word when God says this to us, but it is a weighty word. What I mean by that is it's very, very important. And I know, you know, we believe in the God that can do more than we can ever ask or imagine. And we declare that in this place over and over again. And that is right and that is good. But I have the sense in my heart that what God is saying is consecrate yourself and I will do amazing things. Now, when the people came out of Egypt, I mean, they saw amazing things. Right? I mean, God delivered them with all of these miraculous things. He set aside, we, we've talked about, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, and they walked through this, this ocean and the, and the walls of water on both sides, and, and probably a million Israelites walked through this thing. I mean, God delivered them with miraculous things. God has already done amazing things, but then he says to Joshua, he says, now it's time to go to the promised land. I'm taking you further. And for some of you, maybe you were at the conference that we had here. Terry Walling has this phrase. Um, he says, what got you here won't get you there. Just let that sink in for a moment. What got you here will not get you there, both positively and negatively. Even the things that have been good in our lives to this point, God says, I, we need to ramp it up. And those things that maybe we've allowed to, you know, maybe that we've carried around a little bit, uh, it's, just, it's just a small bag. It's not that much. Then God would say, no, man, get rid of that stuff. Consecrate yourself in a new way because I'm about to do amazing things. Amen? Amen. Joshua says this just before he actually dies. So he's led the people uh, into the promised land. And he says this, now, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness and throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and, and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river, the gods of these other people, the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But Joshua says this. He says, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer this morning that we hear in this disturbing dream and what is, in many ways, a disturbing word from the Bible, a call, actually, of Jesus to himself. When Jesus 
was about to, to go to the cross and he celebrated a, a special meal with his friends. And what he said is he actually said, do this in remembrance of me. And I think God would say this this morning, yeah, remember me uh, coming as a child at Christmas. And when he comes to this meal, he says, you know, uh, do this in remembrance of me. Remember that this is my body which is broken for you, my blood which is shed for you so that every sin that you've committed can be forgiven. Every sin is, is forgiven. But I think he also says this. He says, uh, remember me, your first love. Let's pray. Father, we uh, confess this morning that we have chased after so many different things. And, uh, and we still do. And Father, we just want to confess it. We just want to put it out there. We want to put it in the light so that it can be dealt with. Father, I thank you. It's because Jesus comes with grace and truth. And so we want to speak truth. We want to uh, acknowledge those things that we've let get in the way of our relationship with you because we want to see you do amazing things. We want to see you do amazing things in our own lives as, as well in the lives of others. And Father, I believe you're going to release that as we consecrate ourselves, as we set ourselves aside uh, for the purposes of the kingdom of God. So, Father, those things that, that we have already put into this garbage can and, and are going yet are yet to put in, Father, would uh, you help us by your Holy Spirit to, to make that change? Father, would you help us to rely on others? Father, maybe even friends that we're here with this morning that we could support each other in, in letting those things die. And, Father, but ultimately also to embrace all that you have for us. Father, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I pray that for this house. I pray that for this family. Father, we will serve you above all. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we celebrated this morning and we, we celebrate again that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he, he took some bread. Very simple things. Kind of just like a piece of paper of a commitment. He took bread and, and he gave thanks to his father and he broke it. He says, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took a cup. And it's a cup that we pour water in as well as wine, remembering that on the night that Jesus was crucified, a soldier to, to see that he was dead, to ensure that he was dead, pierced him with a spear in his chest. And the scriptures tell us that when that happened, water and blood flowed out of Jesus' chest. And so Jesus took a cup and it was filled with wine at this dinner, special dinner with his friends. He said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the complete forgiveness of every single sin. And so he said, do this in remembrance of me. And so we come this morning uh, to celebrate Christ's death, but also his resurrection, and ultimately an invitation to come into his presence, to come to receive forgiveness, to come that we might be kingdom bearers, that we might actually see the amazing things that God wants to do in our lives come to fruition. And so I would like to invite those who are going to uh, serve and, and lead us in worship to come forward. And then after they've received communion, I invite uh, everyone else also to, to come and share at the table of Jesus this morning. Mama. As we do each Sunday morning too, there will be a number of people on my left and your right to, to uh, pray with you.
you'd like to commit yourself to to the new things that God is calling you to as well as to uh, for the support that you need to get rid of the stuff that you want to get rid of, I just uh, invite you to receive prayer uh, this morning.